0: Welcome to the Guernsey Press Politics Podcast and our review of day one of the March States Meeting of 2023. Uh, With me is Matt Falais, I'm Simon Delarue and uh, we've been listening across all the proceedings today which Matt have been largely dominated by uh, considerations of a couple of uh, policy letters from the Development and Planning Authority.
1: Yeah that's right, the the authority's proposals to add to or more or less double the number of items which are exempt from planning permission was successful, and then the states moved on to debate uh, the more contentious issue of uh, giving the DPA uh, powers to require property owners to um, effectively tidy up, that they would say it's more serious cases, you know, derelict or unsightly properties, and uh, that debate has not yet concluded. But you were reporting on an amendment which the states have approved
0: from Deputy Inda. Yes, that's right. Uh, we've uh, this is the only completed piece of business with regard to this policy letter. Uh, was an, a, a successful attempt by uh, Deputy Inda to uh, amend the legislation. Now, uh, obviously, it's not uh, set in stone yet because they've got to, as you say, vote on general debate tomorrow. However, uh, his move was to uh, ensure that um, the uh, new rules would not affect domestic properties. Um, he's worried that it's going to be, in his words, a snooper's charter. Uh, the possibility was raised that uh, people might to, to sort of uh, shop their neighbours, as it were, and uh, report uh, unsightly properties and um you wouldn't be free to enjoy your own property in the way you see fit um so there was lots of uh, concern expressed about um the the ramifications of that and indeed interestingly the seconder of that amendment deputy adrian gabriel uh quoted some advice from a mental health charity which uh, said that um in the case of people who hoard things um they sh- you should avoid trying to force them into change so um uh, there was lot lots of um Uh, toing and froing between ideas of uh, uh, authoritarianism against liberalism Uh, ultimately it was it proved relatively uncontroversial despite all the uh, sort of contentious debate it was 35 votes uh, that uh, carried it through and very little opposition indeed so um, that was successfully adopted
1: Yes, so where the debate rests tonight is that the proposal is still on the table for the authority to be able to issue civil notices to require property owners to uh, address derelict or unsightly properties, but it wouldn't apply to residential properties. And we are now in a in a, in a debate um, on whether the civil notices should apply to states owned properties, so uh, the authority wants to exclude the states from this regime uh, and Deputy Lester Kerripal has an amendment which would include the states in the regime so in other words, should the dPA be able to issue civil notices to other states' committees requiring them to uh, address unsightly or or derelict buildings. And essentially the the arguments have gone on, on the one hand, yes the state should be included because it's discriminatory if you have legal powers, to do that to private property owners, but that the, you then exclude the
0: states. One rule for us and one rule for them was the way that Deputy Carapall put it. Yeah.
1: yeah, and he's had a, actually a reasonable amount of support, hasn't he, from, from other members in the debate. Uh the, Others uh, take the view that it would be more costly and more bureaucratic for the states, and in any event there are better ways of the states addressing Derelict or unsightly properties. It's very difficult to call how this amendment is going to go. Uh, I think the vote will be reasonably close. Deputy Kerripal told us before the debate he was quite hopeful. And uh, I can understand that having heard the debate. He he does have support from some quite... big hitters in the states, but it's probably too close to call.
0: It will conclude in the morning, that one. Yeah, it's been an interesting debate so far. I mean, the spectre was raised by Deputy Sasha Kazantza-Miller, a member of the DPA, of of the absurdity of, effectively, the states um, forcing legal action on another part of the states. Uh, But actually, one interesting perspective on that uh, was from Deputy Peter Roffey, who said, well, actually, yes, it is absurd, but maybe that would, as he put it, put wind behind moves to address these issues because um, members would be afraid of ending up in that uh, precarious and ridiculous position and it might give people the hurry up.
1: Yeah, and I think it was Deputy de Sumry who pointed out that uh, there are instances now where one part of the states takes action against another part. Uh, for example, in, in environmental health matters, that, that can happen. You know, states' entities are not excluded from environmental health legislation. So, I, I mean, I think... Probably too much has been made of, of this uh, apparent absurdity of one part of the states taking action against another, but it is undeniable that it, it would potentially add cost and bureaucracy to the states if they were included in the regime. But it will be close and it will be interesting to see which way this one goes in the morning, I think.
0: Uh, yep, and as we say, that one uh, continues tomorrow, but uh, some items of business were included today. Uh, we began the day, in fact, with a, uh, an update statement from Policy and Resources, which you were across.
1: Yeah, I mean, th- this was um, particularly interesting in, in relation to financial matters. So we know that last month the states threw out all five of the tax plans they had presented to them, which proposed various ways of raising what tens of millions of pounds a year to deal with this projected deficit of up to 100 million a year in state's finances. And then this morning, Deputy Furbrush said that the provisional accounts for 2022, he uh, emphasised they were still provisional, but nevertheless, he he quoted the numbers. He said that because around 50 million pounds had been lost last year on the value of state's investments. Uh, t- that plus the uh, capital expenditure of the states last year had created a total deficit in public finances of around sixty million pounds, uh, and as a partly as, as a consequence of both of those things, you know, the the deficit they believe there was last year, and the projected deficit there is in the future. P&R will be proposing a budget for next year – this is when they come forward with it in the autumn – they will be proposing a budget next year which will require cuts of up to 3% in real terms from all committees apart from health and social care. So there is, understandably, this wish to protect expenditure on, on health and social care services, but if you work out what 3% cuts look like across all the other committees – that could well be in the region of about £10 million in real terms cuts in total next year. And committees only have, whatever it is, eight months to identify how they will uh, make those reductions. That could be £2.5 million for education, sport and culture. Could be around a £1 million for home affairs. I and mean, those are quite significant numbers uh, to find at short notice, particularly at a time when, when prices, you know, inflation are, is rising at, what, 7 or 8%. So that was he was trailing these budget proposals that that PNR will put forward that's going to be very contentious and already some committee presidents are kicking back against that and saying to PNR look you may have lost your proposals for GST but you, you can't expect expenditure cuts to do all the heavy lifting on on the dealing with the deficit you need to come back with alternative revenue raising measures deputy peter ferber said PNR was looking at that but had nothing concrete to say about
0: um, alternative income raising measures they would put forward. And there was a question, wasn't there, um, asking for uh, some clarification about how this was going to work. My understanding, and maybe you can confirm for me, is that um, what uh, PNR are looking for is a uh, an aggregate freeze on real terms uh, values of spending. And because they fully expect health and social care to uh, to, to see an inflation in their costs, these up to three percent cuts in the other departments are to compensate for that.
1: Yes, that is right. So the overall state's expenditure would be. Held at its current level in real terms. So, if inflation is is predicted to be, let's say, five percent, the overall budget would increase by five percent, but not more than that. But because HSE's budget is likely to increase well above inflation, uh, other committees' budgets would have to increase by much less than inflation. So, so that appears to be the policy that that PNR will adopt at least in the short term and and at least for next year's budget, until they are able to come forward with a new package of proposals to to deal with the deficit. But that is going to uh, provoke a a lot of opposition, I would think, from other committees and probably will divide the states between those who want uh, cost-cutting to do all the heavy lifting in dealing with the deficit and those who want a a package of some expenditure restraint and some tax increases
0: and uh, just uh, time briefly to uh, mention uh, there was also also an up-to-date statement from uh, Economic Development uh, Deputy Inder's been very busy today and uh, actually he gave quite a rosy picture of the economic outlook uh, in Guernsey which was rather in contrast to what we'd heard before, um, just talking about the captive insurance market having uh, grown to be significant uh, even more significant in the European context and uh, ab- ab- about um, bookings looking pretty good for the tourist season which is now uh, unencumbered by Covid restrictions relatively speaking and um, so that was a bit, a bit of positive news to to enjoy on another uh, otherwise rather uh, gloomy day uh, both in, in terms of weather and um, in terms of uh, state's predictions and then there were also a couple of questions being asked as well.
1: Yeah there were a couple of questions about uh, the possibility of childcare or early years care being extended. Uh, Deputy Dudley Owen ESC president said that was being looked at in an existing work stream Uh, by the Policy and Resources Committee. There there were also some elections and appointments, including an election of a member of the Committee for the Environment and Infrastructure, and Deputy Aidan Matthews defeated Deputy... Christopher Letizia by one vote I think wasn't it Eighteen, yeah,
0: 18 seventeen. And and um, it was noted that it was a secret ballot so we'll never know who would have voted which way but uh, there were three absentees this morning. Deputy Hellyer wasn't uh, in the chamber but also the two Aldney representatives. Uh, d- I believe there was a problem with the flight so they weren't here so who knows whether in fact uh, Deputy Letitier lost out only because of an Aurini uh, delay but uh, anyway it was a very close one but Deputy Matthews was the preferred candidate of the the, uh, Ian I President, Deputy Lindsay de Somere, and he uh, squeaked in uh, by one vote, so he now will be sitting on environment and infrastructure. Well, that's all that happened today on day one. Stay here for a review of day two in due course, but bye for now.
1: Good night.